Brooks and just want to say good morning to you. As right now, I'm on the road again. As you can see, I'm in a hotel here in California, as we are in the Orange, California area, known formerly for all of its orange trees, which many of those, of course, have been phased out. And now it's not much country left out here. It's pretty much all city. Uh, but Orange County is very beautiful. And we've been here for a few days ministering and having some wonderful times in the Holy Spirit. And I'll be ministering Sunday night, of course, in uh, Orange, California at the, uh, the wonderful church, the Eagle's Nest, with Apostle Gary Greenwald. If you're in the area, come on out. We're going to have a really good time in the Holy Spirit. Uh, but this morning, even as I'm on the road, I want to bring you a message so that you can have the spiritual nourishment that you need to walk in victory in life. I tell you what, life can be very challenging. We have not only the externals to deal with, the, the paying of bills, the raising of a family, the maintaining of a marriage, uh, so many things in life of living a career and working a job, but you also have the internals, maintaining your walk with God and winning on the inside. Praise the Lord. That's one of the greatest things as a Christian that you could ever accomplish is to have victory in here. And if you have victory in here, you will be certainly uh, experiencing victory in the other facets of your life. And that's why it's very important that we gather together and I take the time to minister God's Word to you so that you can win on the inside. I think in a lot of these areas, uh, we were not taught these types of things when growing up. But it's very important that we know how to handle God's Word, that we have a code or an ethic of beliefs, which is based, of course, upon the Bible, the teachings of Jesus, and the New Covenant. And my friends, I believe that God will take you from victory to victory. I'm excited. I believe some great things are taking place, and I want to, at this time, give you an opportunity to bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And I want to share a verse with you about God's plan for your finances, and I think it's very important that you let the Scriptures decide what you believe. I know when it comes to things like prosperity, uh, that's a hot potato issue in the body of Christ. And, you know, it's not like there's a lot of preachers out there telling you to be poor now. I think even the, the middle ground, uh, there's no preacher really that, that says you're supposed to go around barefoot. Uh, barefoot. I, if there is, I haven't heard anybody preaching that, at least for a long, long time. Uh, I think most ministers today, even if they're not Pentecostal, or as we would say, maybe spirit-filled or whatever, they have a basic understanding that God, uh, wants to take care of you and doesn't want you to be out on the street. But that's about as far as they'll go. They, uh, they don't want to get into an area where uh, it could be potential, uh, you know, maybe, how can we say, even persecution by agreeing with the Word that God can actually not just help you get your uh, head above water. He can, he can help uh, lead you into places of prosperity and abundance. I think it's very important, again, as I mentioned earlier, that we let the Bible decide what we believe. Praise God. That, I just want to read a few verses to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And as I read these verses, 
you know, just realize this is, this is coming from the Bible, praise God. And so I think if you will always side with the Bible, then you will have a very, very happy life, and you will have a very, very blessed life. Now it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, now listen to this, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. How many preachers would stand up in a pulpit and say that according to Scripture, God wants you to live in a beautiful house? And from what we just looked at, these are brand new homes. Well, you construct them. And I, I know that there was also uh, times they were going into the promised land, and a lot of the homes are already built. It's basically drive out the heathen nations that were into idolatry and horrendous forms of perversion and evil and wickedness. God said, drive them out. And, you know, as they were driven out, it left the Israelites with homes fully furnished to move into, vineyards, uh, gardens, farms, all kinds of things that were just waiting for them to step into. But right here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you see clear credence, clear validation from Scripture that God was blessing His people to build brand new beautiful homes. That's literally, literally what it says, beautiful homes. Praise God. Well, you know, you always have some of the Christians who, they don't like verses like that. And so they'll say things like, well, that's in the Old Covenant. That's just for the Jews. Really, they wouldn't say this, but what they're actually saying is that thousands of years ago, the Jews have, have, they somehow had a better covenant than what we have today. That's really what they're referring to. They wouldn't come out and directly say that because they wouldn't want to directly offend Jesus and His shed blood. But in essence, that's what they're saying. But you know what? When people make statements like that, well, that was just for the Jews. You, when you hear people make statements like that that are Christians, you are listening to people talk to you that have never read the book of Galatians. They've never meditated upon the, the promises found in the New Covenant. And it, it tells you very clearly Galatians chapter 3. Just read through it very slowly one time. Verse 13 is very powerful. But as you read through Galatians chapter 3, it tells you that if you are in Christ Jesus, and of course to be in Christ means that you're a believer, you're a Christian. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Now, it doesn't mean you become Jewish, but it does mean that the blessing that was on Abraham's life is now also on your life. And that is clearly laid out by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3, that we are tied in to the blessings of Abraham. Hallelujah. So, every good thing that they had in the Old Covenant, we have plus even better. Remember, there wouldn't have been a new covenant if there was something incomplete or lacking in the old. And that's also what Paul said as he wrote uh, through the book of Hebrews. That's why we have a new one. It's even better. And so, my friends, you need to understand that when you read things like this, the, like the verse I just mentioned, uh, which, for instance, says, uh, 
When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. And then verse 12, uh, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. You have to realize all of that is something that you are now connected to because you are in Christ and the blessing of Abraham now extends over and touches you. Hallelujah. So these things are very, very powerful. And the more you study this, this subject matter of God's plan for your finances, you will see from the Bible that it definitely includes what we would call more than enough. If you don't want to use the word prosperity, then use another word, abundance, excess, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's all in the category of overflow. Praise God. And, and you know, really, who wants to go through life when, when you're just barely making it? It's no fun. If you're barely making it, that means you have no money for extra. What's the purpose for malls? What's the purpose for Amazon? Everything now becomes of, of, of no interest because you don't have the ability to get anything extra. And so you try to stretch everything to the maximum. You try to wear the same uh, two pair of socks for 10 years and the same pair, you know, of, of undies for, you know, for 15 years. And my friends, it doesn't have to be like that. Praise God. So these promises are things that you have to tie into, tap into with faith and obedience to the uh, directives and commandments of God. And who knows? Who knows? The next thing you may find is yourself moving into a brand new beautiful home. Praise God. I'm just telling you, it may take a little while for the principles to work, but as long as you're working this word, I think you'd be surprised where God will take you to. And it's all into a path of, of extra. It's, an, it's into a path of overflow. And there's a purpose for that. So let's move on to the purpose for it. And uh, it gives examples of all the good things that God will do for you in Deuteronomy 28. And, you know, of course, when you're reading this, uh, they, they were under the law. So if, if you obeyed it, it worked for you. If you didn't do it, the curse came upon you. So it, even there, we have a difference in the new covenant. In the new covenant, you obey it, it works for you. If you don't obey it and you make mistakes, you repent. <laughs> I'd say, Lord, I missed it <laughs> because you're not under the law. It's not like because you messed up. Now you're going to, now you're judged by the law. In other words, you broke a commandment. Now you're in trouble. Well, you're under grace and you know, grace is like, uh Oh Lord, I missed it. I'm sorry about that. I need your grace. I, I want to obey you all the time. And so you get right back on track with God. And it's not like the curse comes rushing into your life. So it, uh, it's marvelous what we have in the Lord, it encourages you to live right. And the grace of God uh, will give you strength and motivation to want to serve the Lord when you actually realize how good He is to you and I. So, you know, there's a, there's a warning attached here in verses 17 and 18 that as the blessings of the Lord increase upon our lives, I mean, the Lord's telling them, I'm going to multiply your silver. I'm going to multiply your gold. I'm going to multiply your, your livestock. And so, again, I, th I think some of these things are, are, are areas where, you know what, we have to be bold in our faith and just believe it. If God says, I want to multiply your gold, who is some, who is some speaker to stand up and say, God doesn't want you to have any gold? God certainly won't do anything that will multiply blessings in your life. Who is a person to say such things that are in total contradiction to what the Word of God says? 
praise the Lord. These are people that get up in the morning just like you and I do, brush their teeth, have to use the restroom, have to comb their hair. They're not superhuman. They're not some kind of super authority that God has placed on the earth. No, here's the authority that God has placed on the earth. It's the Bible, and you can read it, and you can know it yourself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why the Dark Ages were called the Dark Ages, because uh, what uh, was known as the laity or the regular people who were not in religious priesthood or within the, the knowledge of being able to read the Bible in the ancient languages of Latin or Greek— uh, you know, the normal people were in the dark, even if they did get a Bible. They, they couldn't read it. They couldn't speak the language. So, you know, and then, of course, a lot of people couldn't read. Then you had a, the other problem of there, there's worth that many Bibles. You know, the printing press had not been invented yet. And that was one of the devil's worst nightmares ever uh, was the printing press. Why? Why was it such a nightmare for the devil? Because he doesn't want you to have the Word. Okay? He doesn't want you to have the Bible. He's afraid you'll read it. He's really afraid you'll believe it and act upon it. Okay? But it's too late. Cat's out of the bag. We've got the Bible. We have the Word. We hold it in our hands. We can open it up and we can read it. You don't need to be able to uh, uh, know ancient Hebrew, and you don't need to be able to uh, read the ancient Greek. Praise the Lord. You know, I remember years back, decades ago, I, I was talking to my pastor, and he said, he said, Brother Brooks, he said, I can read the original Hebrew. I learned all of that in, you know, theology school. I was required to learn Hebrew, be proficient in it. He said, I can read the Greek also in the New Testament. But he said, I, he said nothing blesses me as much to read it in the English language. I just, he said, I get so blessed when I read it in the English language. And so I want to say that to you. You can open up and read it. You can decide these things. And you can clear, clearly see that God wants you to have overflow. And when we're talking overflow, God is literally telling them, I will multiply the blessings upon your life. I'll multiply your silver and your gold. You know, and sometimes people get nervous when they hear God's going to multiply your finances. They're like, ooh, ooh. I'm like, hey, hallelujah, that's in the Bible. These things are in the Bible. Why should we back off of anything that's biblical? Well, Pastor Stephen, there's no telling what the, what the news may think. Well, perhaps it's time to turn off the television and just take a break from news, maybe for six months. You're not going to miss anything. Just keep praying for the president and the leaders of your state and the leaders of the nation, and things will keep on moving uh, just fine. You'll see. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe the church is going to rise up into the finest hour, and the, the news media is going to start to have to cover all of the revival meetings uh, because it's, uh, there's a spiritual awakening coming. Whoo, hallelujah. Mm -mm. Glory to God. I, I don't believe the enemy has anything out there that can compare to the glory of God when the glory of God begins to roll. Praise the Lord. We haven't seen a spiritual awakening in this nation in over 130 years. It's been a long time coming. But a spiritual awakening is different from a revival. A spiritual awakening can run 30 or 40 years. Okay, revivals, maybe, maybe three months. At the longest, usually three years, and it's very, very difficult to see a revival last that long uh, because everything is kind of like, you know, pushed to the limit, including your, your body and your ability to, you know, just jump in that much. But spiritual awakening is very different, and I believe, I believe it's coming. So, you know what? We don't need to fear man. We need to fear and reverence and respect God. We need to hold to His Word. I believe God really does want to make the church so blessed that the unbelievers are actually envious. 
They're, they're, they actually have something where they look at us and they think, wow, you know what? I thought, I think I'd like to get in with that group over there. Now, at the same time, I, uh, I know that God wants there to be holiness in His church. This is not just about financial stuff, not by any means. This is about people literally giving their heart to God, genuinely receiving Christ as Lord and Savior and receiving eternal life and willing to walk away from anything to receive Christ. Praise God. So this is not about, you know, just getting a blessing. But I do believe also at the same time, though, that the Lord said, you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. So we send conflicting messages to the unsaved when we're wiped out, defeated, depressed, discouraged, beat up, banged up. And they're like, well, why, why would I want to, you know, an unbeliever is like, why would I want to, you know, move into that? I've already got enough of that already. <laughs> so, so we need the glory of the Lord in our lives. And so I just want to challenge you to be, to be uh, daring enough to believe what God said, to be daring enough to believe the scriptures that God can put a, a, uh, an anointing of multiplication upon your life and your finances just begin to increase. I'm not even talking about doubling. I'm talking multiplication taking place where there is financial glory on your life. Praise God. And the only way that it can be explained is because of the grace of God upon your life. Well, let's read just a little bit further. Verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. So there was, there's a warning. Don't drift into that and realize that this blessing is coming from God. Uh, and then verse 18, and you shall remember. In other words, remember because there have been many who forgot. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Wow. Remember, we're, we're reading the Bible. Where this is not some kind of like, you know, like self-coaching book out there in the world where they're trying to uh, you know, I, I don't read that stuff. It's all humanistic and it's a godless agenda. I don't read that. But I, when you read the Bible, you obviously see that God wants you to have wealth. And even there's a purpose identified next. But, but realize, if wealth were bad, if wealth were evil and wicked, then why would God give you the power to get it? Praise the Lord. So, you know, a lot of the things that even can be said in, in religious circles, God doesn't want you to have money. It's dangerous. Watch out for it. Well, you know, just ask them. Well, then was God confused when Deuteronomy 8.18 was spoken? Was, did, did God have like some kind of amnesia for a few minutes and this somehow got put in the Bible, but now over here we're confused and now we're not supposed to have it? <laughs> no. Read the Bible and let the Word... Uh, be the foundation and the formation for the way you think. Praise God. God wants you to have wealth. Now, let's go a little bit further with it. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. So there's a purpose. It's for the establishing of the covenant. Praise God. It's for the confirming of the covenant. God wants you wealthy. Why, Pastor Stephen? So I can just go out and, and buy all kinds of things and have 15 cars and have, you know, unlimited, uh, you know, have 4,000 pairs of shoes or, or whatever. Well, you know, God doesn't mind, it, you know, if you have a nice vehicle. God doesn't mind if you have nice shoes or, or things like that. That's, that's a non-issue with the Lord. The purpose, though, for prosperity and the purpose for wealth and God empowering you to get it is so that the covenant may be 
confirmed and established. And I really believe that takes us back to Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what your money is for. It's really money with a mission, okay? It's not for complete self-indulgence. And I, I think the Lord really wants to do some amazing things financially. I, I think He wants to do some outlandish things for His people. Um, God will take you the heights that maybe you've over, only dreamed about. But you have to understand as He takes you there, it's not just so you can keep adding to your life and you can be like the person who just you know says, I need to open some more savings accounts. I need to build bigger barns and tear down the ones I've got and build bigger ones. No, you need to be, you need to be enjoying some of it, absolutely. But you also need to be pouring into the kingdom so that the Great Commission is fulfilled. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, church statistics still show that only about 20% of Christians tithe. Praise the Lord. And I think that's why there's so much lack and shortage in the body of Christ financially, so many struggle. They're not, they're not obeying the commandments of God. But when you obey the commandments of God, you tithe, and then during special times you sow special financial seed as the Holy Spirit is leading you and you feel that inner nudging of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, God begins to release that power, that power to get wealth. And it, it can come all, all different kinds of ways. I believe really that God has millions of ways to make you a multimillionaire. I, I believe that with all of my heart, not just one or two, uh, two ways. You, you may only be able to think of like three or four ways of how God could do it. God, God has millions. He has millions upon millions of ways that He could make you wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. And that wealth is not so that you could just sit back and live some kind of life of self-indulgence and, and selfishness, but no, but rather that you walk in agape love, the selfless love, and you say, Lord, out of all of this that you're blessing me with, you know that I, I only need a certain amount. And Lord, I'm going to take, take a lot of this. I'm going to use it for the kingdom. And I'm going to see your work preached throughout the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then that's the power of, of internet. That's the power of television as we have the ability to just reach out there. You might not uh, have that anointing to or that calling to be a minister, to preach, or you might not be able to get on an airplane and just go, go, go. But you know what? You certainly can support the work, and that's what the covenant is for, so that the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I was thinking about... Uh, TBN and how it was founded with Paul and Jan Crouch. But uh, there was a time when TBN was just uh, in its early stages, was on the ropes, ran out of money, and uh, had to have a, uh, a payment made, a loan payment made at the bank by 5 o'clock, I believe on Friday, or else uh, TBN is finished. What is now known as, of course, as the uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network, which if, if I'm still correct, I believe today it is a, uh, a debt-free a billion dollar plus uh, television Christian media empire. That's pretty amazing. A billion dollar plus debt-free television ministry. But you know what? It had humble beginnings. And that day that they were running really low on money, uh, you know, some of the workers just said, well, I guess this is it. We're, you know, we're not going to come back. Some of them even cleaned out their desk and went home and thought, well, that's a wrap. You know, it was nice. It was a good idea. It's not going to happen 
But Paul Crouch, he was still there at the office, and he uh, Jan's praying. But Paul Crouch, you know, of course, Paul and Jan are both in heaven now. But uh, Paul Crouch was just, uh, you know, holding on to the promises of God. God, I believe you spoke to me. I believe you called me to raise up this, this television Christian network to preach the gospel around the world. And um, just before uh, the day was over, I think it was like 10 minutes till 5, uh, an elderly man named Scotty Scottwell came to the office and gave Paul a check. And he's, he said, you know, I was actually on the way to go buy a yacht. And I was going to buy a yacht. I've saved my money for the yacht. And I was going to go down and buy a yacht. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to take this money and to bring it down here and give it to you uh, for the television ministry. And the thing was, is that if I remember the numbers right, Paul Crouch needed $38,000 to pay that note by 5 o'clock. And so Scotty Scott will hands this check over, and it's a check for exactly $38,000. Paul just, you know, I think he said he just screamed and ran, ran to the car, and then sped to the bank. <laughs> and got there just like three minutes before the bank closed, made the payment, and uh, cleared, uh, you know, a, a, a faith wall. Uh, that, you know, really took God to do it. God was the only one who could have done it. You know, the amazing thing also is Scotty Scottwell, uh, he wasn't even a Pentecostal type believer. If I'm correct, he was either a Methodist or a Presbyterian. Uh, but yet he heard clearly from the Lord and went down and sowed that seed. But, you know, you think about how many souls, I think uh, they, millions really, I can't, I'm not sure what the number is, but millions and millions and millions of people have been saved through that network because of the preaching of the gospel. What is that? It's wealth with a purpose, money with a purpose. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm just, I'm just interested in the wealth. I'm not really interested in the covenant. I'm not really interested in the Great Commission. Well, then you, you will never, you'll never know God's empowerment for you to get wealth. You'll never know it. You'll live your life out. You'll still, you can still go to heaven because whoever puts their faith and trust in the Lord is saved. You're saved by grace, not by works, okay? But you're saved by grace through faith. But if you want to get to the other side, and you're, you're more interested in just, than just making it, and you actually want to get there and have a reward, okay, then you need to be thinking about the covenant, helping to establish the covenant, the preaching of the gospel all around the world. And I, I think we really do need a global vision in these last days. And, and I'm going to receive the tithe and offerings in just a moment. I'm just having a fun time talking. And you're probably going to get two messages because this is, uh, this is for you on Sunday morning. Uh, but later tonight, I'll be ministering again. And uh, that, that meeting will probably also be live streamed or, you know, put up on Periscope. Uh, if you can't catch it live, it'll still be up on YouTube in probably just, you know, 48 hours or less. So be looking for that. But my friends, there is an empowerment that comes from God. God said, I'll give you the power, the power to get wealth. See, it takes power. And that's why we, we need to be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1, 2, and 3 talk about the Holy Spirit from the aspect of the seven spirits of God. Of course, Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5 both make clear mention of the Spirit of God, the seven spirits of God. One Holy Spirit, but seven distinct attributes of the Holy Spirit. 
and it's, it's probably easier for you to visualize it in your mind if you think of the Jewish menorah, uh, the seven-branch candelabra, and you have, you, you have the center branch, that's the Spirit of the Lord, but then you have, you have the branches coming out on the side. So you have the Spirit uh, of wisdom, you have the Spirit of understanding, you have the Spirit of counsel, and then you have the Spirit of might, then you have the spirit of knowledge, and then you have the spirit of the fear of the Lord. But I, be, I believe that as you walk in the spirit of might, that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the seven spirits of God are very different from the spiritual gifts. The, sp the spiritual gifts being word of wisdom, word of knowledge, special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning the spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the spiritual gifts. But the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits of God are very different than the manifestations of the Spirit. The manifestations of the Spirit can come and then they can lift, but the Holy Spirit can come up on you and rest on you, and these seven spirits of God were on Jesus. Of course, one Spirit, but the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit were all on Jesus. He walked in all of them. And that there's power, the Spirit of might. There, there is the Spirit of power that can come upon you to help you get wealth, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom to just make over and over again right decisions. That's what wisdom is, making right decisions. Well, the spirit of wisdom coming upon you, I'll tell you what, that'll carry you into wealth. You just keep making the right, the right choices in your business, in your life, in your career, making the right choices, making the right choices. Where does that lead? Well, to a really good place. So you have the spirit of wisdom, you have the spirit of understanding. Understanding is really knowing how things work. You need the spirit of understanding to be upon you, especially in your career field, and it can also come upon you in areas of investing, because you may think, I have no understanding of how to invest. I don't understand the Forex. I don't understand the stock market. I don't understand real estate. I don't understand anything. Well, the Holy Spirit can come up on you, the spirit of understanding, and you could have a distinct feel where the Holy Spirit gravitates you towards. And you know, the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I understand how that works now. Okay, so now you have the spirit of wisdom. Now you can have the spirit of understanding. And my friends, this can just go on and on and on. And what happens is you get, begin to get carried into wealth because God is empowering you to go there. Praise the Lord. This is, this is very exciting. The spirit of counsel can come up on you, and God can counsel you, and you can also counsel others. What is the spirit of counsel? It is the ability to counsel and advise others as if God himself were doing the advising. See, God can counsel you through the spirit of counsel. God can advise you through the spirit of counsel. But that can be on you so strong, you can operate in it, and you can advise and counsel others. And this is not something you can ever pick up at a university or, you know, training or something like that. And I, I think, I think psychology, I'm going to say it. I think psychology and the study of psychiatric uh, type studies, I think that stuff is very dangerous. I think a lot of it is humanistic. I think a lot of it is godless. And I think a lot of it, um, is just completely empty of the presence or the knowledge of God. Well, why, Pastor Stephen? Because psychology and psychiatry is all rooted in the ancient Greek philosophers. Uh, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, and all of the, the uh, what we would call the classics 
That, that was the birth of psychiatry. And you need to understand that almost all of those early philosophers were homosexuals. You need to think about that for a minute, okay? That, those that study psychiatry and psychology, that's who their teachers are. And so anybody that's under a spirit like that, that's teaching, if, if you tie into that, you're going to connect with that spirit. And there's a lot of pollution there. And so the spirit of counsel is so different from the so-called wisdom of the world, which God actually calls foolishness. So there is a spirit of counsel that can come up on you, and the Holy Spirit can counsel you of what you need to do to make certain decisions, to line things up the right way so that you can be carried into wealth. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. And of course, there is the spirit of might. There is the spirit of might. Hallelujah. You know what? I believe that the Holy Spirit is touching the church, is touching you, wants to touch you, and wants to make you aerodynamic. I heard the most unusual thing the other day. The Holy Spirit told me that He's going to make the people of the Lord that are drawing near to God, that are walking in the commandments of God. The Holy Spirit told me that He's going to make uh, th this godly group uh, financially and spiritually aerodynamic. Now, of course, He mentioned spiritually first because it's more important. Uh, you know, everything, your health, your finances, it's all as your soul prospers. 3 John verse 2. So there has to be prosperity in your soul or your spiritual life has to prosper. And aerodynamic means that you're smooth. You don't have drag. You, you know, it's almost impossible to not have any drag. But in aerodynamics with airplanes or cars, things that are designed for speed, they try to just eliminate as much drag as possible. And so I, I believe that sin is drag. Sin reduces your ability to move in the Spirit and the walk in the things of the Lord. And so those things are being cut off. And also God is re reducing and even removing financial drag, things that would slow you down, uh, uh, you know, bad debt, you know, uh, all debt, actually. And God's just doing things to take His people into a place where they are aerodynamic, where you can run with the Lord, your life is smooth, your life is structured, and you have all these weights holding you back. Praise God. Well, that's the spirit of might because the Holy Spirit can come on you with such might and power that your whole life can change in one night. That's all it takes. I'm telling you the truth. That's all it takes is one touch from God. One touch from God and you have something on you from heaven. You, you have an idea. You have an understanding. You have an empowerment. And that, that anointing, the spirit of might would come on Samson and he would do incredible things, uh, so just amazing things. And you know what? You also need the spirit of might to match with the spirit of counsel. Did you ever notice how the menorah is lined up? You have the center shaft, but then over here you have spirit of wisdom. Then you have spirit of understanding. It's almost like it's two arms kind of coming up at the same time. But then beneath that you have spirit of counsel, spirit of might. Each one is complementing the other. For instance, with the spirit of counsel, the Holy Spirit gives you counsel, and then on the other branch of the menorah, see you have the spirit of counsel, but on the other side you have the spirit of might. Why? You need, you need supernatural empowerment and might and power to walk out and do what you were just counseled to do. 
They both flow right into each other. That's why wisdom and understanding are connected. Counsel and might are connected. And knowledge and fear of the Lord, they're also connected. Each branch is connected to the other one to bring a divine balance. So the spirit of might is, is dynamic. And it, it's also this strength to do what God has counseled you to do through the spirit of counsel. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't this exciting? Praise God today. You have the spirit of knowledge, and that's really the Holy Spirit coming upon you with an understanding of specialized information that is proven through life experience. Look, I believe to go into wealth, to walk in the power to get wealth, you're going to need the seven spirits of God resting upon you. And so the spirit of knowledge um, in the Hebrew, there is a strong reference, an underlying knowing in this spirit of, uh, spirit of knowledge that this is knowledge that is not head knowledge. It is heart knowledge. This is experiential knowledge. And the Holy Spirit can come rest on you and you, you have this knowledge that didn't come out of a textbook. Maybe you read it in a textbook. Maybe you even studied it, but God takes you into things where you're like, oh, now I've got real life experience. See, somebody could say, the Lord is Jehovah Jireh, and He is. What does that mean in the Bible? It means Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your God, who will see to it that your every need is met. But remember, Abraham got a revelation that that was one of the names of God. And before he had that experience of basically being willing to sacrifice Isaac, his son. He didn't know God in that, in that measure. But when this happened and the angel stopped Abraham from making the sacrifice of Isaac, uh, and so th that was checked and put on hold. It, it didn't happen. But then, you know, Abraham turns around and there's a ram with his horns tangled up in the thicket and it can't get out and it's the perfect sacrifice. And so it was then that Abraham received a, a living revelation. Oh, I needed a sacrifice. There's one right now, supernaturally waiting for me. I mean, it just happens to be a ram. That's what he needed. And it's, it can't get away. It's tangled up. And he could just walk over there and, uh, you know, uh, grab a knife and uh, cut the animal's throat. And, you know, he's ready to make a sacrifice. It could, it could, you know, could struggle, but it can't hurt him. It was all tangled up. Amazing, amazing. He, and he knew Jehovah Jireh. He got a supernatural revelation. Jehovah Jireh. So this is what the spirit of knowledge is. It's not just quoting things, uh, not just hidden knowledge, although we need, we need hidden knowledge, but it's living reality knowledge. Praise God. God's going to make some things real for you. And there's some of you, you know that God's name is Jehovah Jireh because you know it's biblical. But maybe you haven't experienced those breakthroughs of God where God just brings it all the time. The provision never runs out. It just keeps coming, keeps coming. And not only that, it's coming faster and stronger. And, and you, you need these revelations. That's what the spirit of knowledge will do. And then, of course, you have the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This will really help you also in the understanding of finances. The spirit of the fear of the Lord is a deep reverence, respect for God and His Word and anything in relation to uh, His kingdom. And so when you want to receive that power to walk in wealth, you need the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Uh, so you have a respect for God's reverence and awe for who He is. And when you have that, you won't cheat somebody. 
You won't do something. You won't, you won't cheat the government out of taxes. You won't cheat the state out of taxes. You'll do everything by the book. You have things in order. Why? Because you don't want to be, bring a, you know, a, a reproach against the Lord or against the body of Christ. So you walk in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And you treat others just the way that you would like to be treated. You're, you're up front. You're, you're open. Uh, you don't uh, conceal things that would hurt somebody. Or you, know, you, don't, you wouldn't want to rip anybody off or do anything like that. You want to um, treat others just the way that you would want to be treated. And that spirit of the fear of the Lord, really, it branches out into the other areas of your life where you, you honor those to whom honor is due. You honor the president, even if you don't like him, if you, even if you didn't vote for him. He's still in an, in an office. And, and God establishes governmental authorities. I'm not saying God puts them in. I, I think a lot of that's dependent upon the people. And God gives the people sometimes what they want. And sometimes that doesn't turn out to be very good because it's the human desire. Just like Israel, they wanted a king. Where God, it wasn't time for them to have a king. But the Lord, you know, they kept, you know, pleading and begging. So God gave them a king. And it did not turn out good. Uh, that's because it just wasn't supposed to happen until later when David came on the scene. But even David had to be prepared. But my friends, when you walk in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you will give honor to those whom honor is due. You won't, you wouldn't shame or try to do something to publicly humiliate or embarrass uh, an official in government or an, or, or an, elder, an, an elder or a man or woman of God. You wouldn't do things like that. Why? You have a reverence for the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what? Even in governments that are not uh, straight up in the sense that, I mean, after all, which ones are really, right? There's, there's corruption on both sides. But even in other countries where there are dictatorships and there are, uh, how can we say, heavy-handed rule, you know, I'll, I'll say this, some government is still better than no government. And when you have constant coups and overthrows of government and uh, wild militias running around and disorder and lawlessness and no police and uh, total everything out of control, look, that's horrible. So even a bad government is better than no government. So we always need to give honor to whom honor is due. That, that includes respect, being polite and kind, praise God. But most of all, especially to the Lord. Uh, to the things of God and things relating to the kingdom of God. And when you do that, when you do these things, the power, the power starts to manifest in your life. There, I tell you what, there's power in the blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and God adds no sorrow with it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what? In closing, I'm, I'm, I'm about to pray for you and I'm going to receive the tithes and offerings today. In closing, be very, very careful with jealousy don't let jealousy and envy rise up in you when you see others getting blessed. When you see other Christians that are enjoying the blessings of God and God's blessing is flowing in their lives, don't be jealous. Rejoice. Rejoice. Well, Pastor Stephen, he doesn't need another new suit. That brother had a new suit last week. Well, maybe he's just being blessed and he He's got, you know, wanted to get another new suit. Pastor Stephen, I, I don't think she should buy another pair of shoes. She doesn't got another pair of shoes. Well, you know what? Shoes really are a dime a dozen, you know, and, and you wear them for a while and, you know, give them away. Praise God, if you, if you know. But the thing is, don't get jealous. Don't, don't be envious. There's enough of the blessing. There's enough of the power of God for you to have a blessed life. 
for you to be in the overflow. So don't, don't judge others and don't get jealous or envious. I've been seeing a lot of jealousy in the body of Christ lately. I mean, some of it blatant. I mean, I'm talking full-blown evil jealousy in Christians, tongue-talking Christians, so-called spirit-filled Christians. <laughs> and I'm not saying they're not spirit-filled, but I've seen some get in the flesh pretty bad uh, concerning areas of nothing but jealousy. That's all it is. They're jealous. They're jealous. See, the thing is, is if you walk in the seven spirits of God and you follow the commandments of God, walk in the love of God, walk in the principles of God, God will take you in the wealth also. Amazing wealth. Why? For the establishing of the covenant. Praise God. Always keep that in mind. There's a purpose for the establishing of the covenant. Praise God. So today, uh, let the Holy Spirit work in you and on you. Let Him make you spiritually aerodynamic. Any sin in your life, lay it down. Do your best to seek God and to call out to God and to live a life of prayer Will you get that stuff crucified and out of your life, okay? Uh, become spiritually aerodynamic. The Lord's going to help you become financially aerodynamic and get the relief that you need. Hallelujah. He's going to touch your body. You know, sickness and disease is drag. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't move. You can't do the things you want. You're talking about drag. That's what sickness and disease is. So God's going to make your body aerodynamic. You can get up and go because, look, you've got things to do. You've got places to go. Hallelujah. All right. So, Heavenly Father, I'm praying for your people today that there be transformation power of the gospel released into their lives, that even the power to get wealth, that your people begin to tap into it, that the Spirit of God, the seven spirits of God, as mentioned in Isaiah 11, 1 through 3, rest upon your people, rest upon your people, and that power be given unto your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now, those of you that are going to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28117. Now, if you would like to bring them in online, you can do so anytime, day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there, click that and it will bring them in into the ministry storehouse. And on behalf of my wife and I and our entire ministry team, we thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. We thank you for caring about those who haven't yet heard the gospel. We thank, we thank you for caring about those who are in the body of Christ but have not had exposure to the teaching of the quality of life that God intends for us to live. Praise God. Thank you for your agape love, your selfless love to reach out beyond your own life and your own needs and say, Pastor Stephen, I care about others and let's do all we can to reach them with the good news. Thank you so much. Praise God. Well, my friends, let's close today with Holy Communion. Praise the Lord. I'm going to get ready to go preach a message tonight. And if you're uh, watching uh, online, just uh, jump in there and catch the message. We'll probably be on Periscope. Uh, if you can't catch it, uh, catch it, it'll be up on YouTube in just a day or two. Hallelujah. Grab some grape juice and unleavened bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these, for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. We, we sanctify it. We thank you. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. 
our Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen. Father, you, you wait for our obedience. And we say, Father, we hear and we obey. We are hearers and doers of your word. We, we delight to do your will. So, Father, we thank you. We receive the body of Jesus now. Do your work in our lives, Father. We give you full permission. We yield to the leading, the working of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the, the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It is a time to be living all out for the Lord. Don't hold anything back. Pastor Steve, when revival starts, then I'll jump in. No, jump in now. Have your own personal revival right now. Eradicate sin out of your life. Walk close with God. Be in the Word as much as you can. Be in prayer as much as you can. Look, stuff's already going on in the glory realm. Stuff is already happening. Woo! Get positioned now. Do not wait for, just you go now with the Lord. And watch what, watch what God's going to do. You're going to be so happy that you've done this. Put everything in your life in order with God now. Make it right with God now. Today. Today. Praise God. If you're watching me, and perhaps you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, do it right now. Just pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and wash me clean. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I give my life to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Now, let us now receive the blood of Jesus that washes away all sins. Let's drink. Praise God. Hallelujah. My friends, thanks for watching. Uh, uh, thanks for joining me in this little hotel room. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back to the studio. Praise God. But I'm happy here, and I thank you for hanging with me, even as I'm out on the road. Till next time, stay blessed. I'll see you again real soon. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.